Hey everyone, welcome back to the Westbridge Church Podcast. To learn more about Westbridge Church, including our service times, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com. This week's message comes from Pastor John McDougall, and we hope it encourages you to take your next step in your faith journey. everybody on behalf of the staff here at Westbridge we just want to say welcome we're so glad you are here and what a gift it is to be able to freely meet together and worship together um just a couple of reminders if well if you've been here for a while we brought back the bulletin this just has a bunch of information on stuff that's upcoming and if you're new here we want to say welcome thank you for coming and joining us um if you could tear off the bottom of this if you're new fill it out and put it in the back boxes or hand it to one of our ushers um they can we can communicate with you and give you um news and updates as well Um, Also, we want to say thank you so much for your generosity with the school supply donations. We were able to collect over 500 items and distribute them to the families this week. Um, So thank you so much for that. And I'll turn it over to you, John. Right. Great. Thanks, Kimmy. Well, good morning, church family. Hope you're doing well today. Excited for uh, where we're headed as we wrap up our Locked In message series today. Although it is a bittersweet uh, moment, and you know when you come to the end of a book you love, it is, uh, it's always like, ah, I made it, but it's always, I wish we could just keep going, and so it is in this letter of Colossians. What makes this letter especially precious to us? And I, I hope it's been just um, drawing and, and really uh, increasing our affection, your affection for our Lord. And all throughout the letter, the, the theme of this letter, the supremacy of Jesus Christ as our Lord, and you just uh, fixing our eyes on Him, living locked in on Him, and this picture of fit and faithful is really the vision for us as a church family, that as we lock in on Him, it comes right out of Colossians 1.28, that we would be fit or spiritually mature, teleon is that word, and really that's, we'd be more like Him, so that we would be faithful to the finish running the race that God's given us. And so we uh, wrap it up today, at least in Colossians. Next week we'll have a a glimpse out of Paul's life where he's living this out that's just rocket fuel to to mission. And so one last week, or uh, next week will be our our final, final Sunday. But today we come to uh, the last page, which is one that we normally breeze when when we come to Colossians. I've never preached through this. And it's, it's because it feels like you're reading someone else's mail. It's the greetings. It's the final greetings of Paul to this church and to the guys that are with him, ladies, to those, to those in this church. So this is not the text you usually go to to pick out your inspiring verse of the day. It's just not here. But upon closer examination, there is a unique gift in this text that can fuel us and equip us in our own life mission because it is here in Colossians 4 verses 7 to 18 that we see ordinary people like us locked in on Jesus and living out the very things that we've been talking about and in that we we are equipped but also inspired to go get it done and, and live like this one of the primary gifts of this text is the uh having a renewed clarity around what it looks like to to be a effective ministry team or, or a great team, a team that accomplishes its mission. And as I was reading this this week, I was thinking about, it's kind of like a documentary, and 
Back in a COVID lockdown, one of the gifts of grace that God gave us, as the lights went out in every sports arena and all these uh, games that we enjoy watching, we couldn't watch anymore. Do you remember the gift that the Lord provided? It was that 10-part series of the dynasty in Chicago when Michael Jordan was leading that team. And we got to just chronicle through, you know, and go back and watch the inner workings of this team. And what was interesting about this was, we all, everybody knows Michael Jordan, right? We all know Michael. But what was the big takeaway from this series? One of the big takeaways. If Michael Jordan didn't have an all-in, a team around him, he would not have won those championships. And every player on that team mattered. And And it's not about the name, it's about the team. And so it is in the body of Christ. We have been created, recreated in Christ to be a a body of interdependent parts where every part plays its part. And as we do, then we are effective and we see that happening in this text. And as we uh, work through this text, we'll discover three core uh, marks of an effective team in terms when it comes to, to serving Christ. The text opens with a guy named Tychicus, who Paul describes with three phases, or, or three phrases, and these phrases will form the outline of this message. So Tychicus is boom, 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 and the first one has to do with, okay, who are we, identity. The second one has to do with what we're about, and then the third phrase has to do with, with who we're following. And as we track the answers to those questions in the life of Tychicus and others, We'll discover how to, how to be an effective team ourselves as we follow Christ. So we'll go ahead, we'll dig into the text. Verse 7 says, Paul's writing, Tychicus will tell you all about me, the news about me. He is a dear brother. It's the word agape. It's hard for us to translate. It, a better translation is beloved, but it's like much loved brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. I am sending him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. Now, when Paul says, I'm sending him to you, in our minds, it, you feel like, okay, that's a one-day journey or something like that. Okay, this was, <laughs> when he sends Tychicus, here, here's the map. In the corner, you have Rome. Over here, you have Colossae. Okay, this, and he's going to walk this. So from Rome down to the sea, it's about a 360-mile walk through rugged terrain, so we're talking days to get to the, the sea, and then you have to say, hop on the boat, and this is not a cruise ship. This is hard travel through possible storms and, and nights, and, and they would cook their meals on the decks, you know, and you did your own little campfire on the deck, evidently, and it was just hard. And so they have to go through a, a sea, get to Corinth and, and change ships and all that stuff, go through another sea, a total of 600 miles at sea which is no small journey, and then you get to the province of Asia, and it's another 132 miles to get to Colossae on foot through some rugged terrain. So I I love, and I wish we had a video clip of this, but I I picture, uh, you know, I just picture this guy Tychicus setting off on this journey, and he's got this this leather pouch, and, and he's all fired up the first day, but he's, he's camping out, and there's that pouch, and he's carrying the letter that that we treasure, that we've been reading, that's been building the faith and love of Christians for hundreds of years, and how many Christians, and it all hinges on his faithfulness to go this journey through the rain, through the cold, through the ups, through the downs, through the 
Maybe at night, you know, he's on the boat and some guys are wanting to rob his stuff. And, and he's got to hold on to his pouch. And, and then it starts storming. He's got to keep the pouch dry. He's got to deliver the mess. It's just like, are, are you feeling the gratitude for Tychicus <laughs> and Onesimus as they make the journey um, that we read on? It says, uh, verse 8, or 9 says, He is coming with Onesimus, who, remember, is the slave, Philemon's slave. The church meets in Philemon's house. This is his slave that's now going back to his master as a Christian. He says, He's our faithful and dear brother who is one of you, and they will tell you everything that's happening here. Verse 10, my fellow prisoner Aristarchus sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. Parenthesis, you have received instruction about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is also called, who is called Justice, also sends his greetings. Jesus, he's a Jew, um, and this was a common name. The uh, Hebrew is Joshua, this Greek version of Joshua. But um, often, if you were living in Rome, you'd take up a Roman name too. So that's Justice is his Roman name, it says, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God. They have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you and a servant or a doula, slave of Christ Jesus, sends his greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you. And for those at Laodicea and Heropolis, these are neighboring towns, kind of like Brownsburg, Plainfield to Colossae. Then verse 14 says, our dear friend, there's the word agape again. Dear friend, bad, or it doesn't quite capture, but it's like, this is the guy we love so much. Um, Luke, the doctor, the physician, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers and sisters at Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. And just neat picture, it's not until the third century church buildings started. And so here's this lady who opens up her home for the church in Laodicea. It says, after this letter has been read to you, see to it that, it, that you in turn read the letter from Laodicea. And so, uh, interesting, scholars could be a lost letter. We know Paul, for 15 years, wrote letters. We have 13 of them, probably more letters out there. We know one to Corinth was probably lost. Um, some feel that this was the, the letter of Ephesians that was meant to be passed around to the churches, and so this was Laodicea had Ephesians, so they were going to pass that on. Or it might, might have been, other, another argument is it was the letter of Phil, given to Philemon that was, was to be delivered. But he goes on, he says, Tell Archippus, see to it that you complete the ministry you have received in the Lord. And then he ends it all. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. Remember my chains, grace be with you. So, Back to Tychicus and the big idea. Verse 7, he says, Tychicus will tell you all about me. He is a dear brother, faithful minister, and fellow servant in the Lord. Who are we? What are we, we to be about, and who are we following? And here's the big idea as we see Tychicus in his life. We are a loving family of faithful ministers following the Lord Jesus. That's that's the essence of it, the big idea. So, what are the marks of a great team, great ministry team? And as we seek to do the, the will of God in our context, what's the mark? First one is, we're a loving family. The phrase, dear brother, is literally, as I mentioned, loved brother. And you say, who is Tychicus? Notice Paul doesn't start with what he's accomplished or what, you know, his, his spiritual gifting or, or this or that. He starts with his identity. This is my brother. This is, this is family. 
And my brothers and sisters in Christ, what a gift that we have been called in Christ. If we come to, when we come to faith in Christ, we belong to a family where it's not about status, it's not about position, it's not about what we accomplish, it's not about the titles around our names. It's about brother, it's about sister. It's about I love you not because of what you do, but because of who you are. Tychicus, my dear brother. You know, the great, one of the great top longings of the human heart is belonging, isn't it? We all long to belong, and much of what we do is out of that. And that's what we have in Christ and in the family with which he, he's placed us. And so how do we practice, what's a, a loving family look like? How do we practice this and live this out? And we see three practices of a, a loving family in this text. The first one there in verse 8, we encourage one another. It says, I'm sending you Tychicus that, that you may know our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. So what is encouragement? It's coming along somebody and it's not taking their load, but it's speaking life, truth, and energy into them and strength and tr- uh, truth about who God is, that it would fill their hearts with courage that they might get up and go and carry their load. This is what we do for each other. The text that, that Luke read out of uh, Hebrews chapter 10, I love that where he says, okay, let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but what? Encouraging one another all the more as we see the day approaching. Perhaps you, you saw the Gallup poll that it was a, a just a, a general poll of all people. It wasn't a Christian-based poll at all, but they uh, taken in December of 2020 to check people's mental health. And the, the chart that just shocked me was this was of all the people who checked in 2019, I have excellent mental health. So I'm just right here. As, as I'm a 10 on the mental health scale. In December of 2020, every subcategory that they listed took a bit of a dive in 2020. <laughs> Men, women, male, female, they had the categories of ages, categories of ethnicity. They had the categories, uh, or they even did uh, p- politics. And who, who do you think took a greater mental health dip in 2020, Democrats or Republicans? <laughs> it, it was true. Republicans were like 18 points down, Democrats 11. So it, it was painful for everybody. But uh, they, they did a category of church attendance. The only category on that chart that, that not just held steady but went up was those who attended church weekly. Another category was those who attend church a couple times a month and, and those who attend church just kind of like sporadically whenever. Both of those categories dipped like all the other categories dipped. But those who attended church weekly went up plus four. And, and I'm thinking, what a testimony to what God calls us to. <laughs> you know, powerful. Why? Because when we get together, and this is our prayer as a leadership team, we pray that, one, God would be glorified and pleased when we gather to worship, but two, every soul that steps into this place would be encouraged in your faith and your love. That when you walk out of here, you've got courage to, like, go again. And when we, we gather in here, come together, we're praying, Lord, let me be an encouraging presence to somebody. Not a deflating presence, but rather encouraging. It's why Paul sent Tychicus... Uh, Colossians chapter 2 2 it was Paul's passion he said guys I'm working my tail off here for you and those in Laodicea so that you would be what encouraged in heart 
that's what we do for each other. And what a gift. It's a loving family where we, we speak life and, and uh, strength into one another. Second, what's a loving family do? We reconcile with one another. Verse 9, he says he's coming with Onesimus. Our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I won't go into detail. But what a picture. That chart, <laughs> Onesimus ran from Colossae as a slave away from Philemon. They're at war with each other. And now in Christ, he is hiking another almost 1,100 miles back to this master why because they're brothers and he's going to make it right reconcile and paul tells philemon in the book letter of philemon need to reconcile with with onesimus love him forgive him um, treat him as a brother what a beautiful picture of letting the peace of christ rule in our hearts it's what we do as family guys if there's an outstanding conflict with another christian we don't let that just lay we don't say well that's just how it's going to be we reconcile. I love, there's a, a, a really neat story of reconciliation playing out here in, in verse 10 where he says, my fellow prisoner, uh, Arch Aristarchus, sends you greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Now we say, well, why does special instructions have to be around Mark? Well, here's the backstory. This is the Mark who, when Paul and Barnabas go on their first missionary journey, he comes along and then uh, to help them out. And when the going gets tough, he quits. He bails. So, he, and he's Barnabas' cousin. So when uh, they, Paul and Barnabas, the mission dream team, missionary dream team, church planning dream team, going out for the second missionary journey, Mark wants to come along. Barnabas is like, yeah, bring him. Let's bring him. And Paul's like, nope. Let's bring him. Nope, let's bring him. The text says their dispute was so sharp that Barnabas said, okay, I'm going to take Mark and go this way. Paul says, I'll take Silas and go this way. This is the guy that broke up the ministry dream team. So when he shows up in Colossae, they're like, hmm, not so sure about you. But what's Paul say? Twelve years have passed. Mark has grown. Paul has grown. We're all in process. In this time, Mark has gotten close to Peter. Peter says he's like my son. Somebody else who knew about bonking and then being restored and, and reconciled. And, and here we see Paul says, hey, when Mark shows up, wrap him up. Welcome him. Brother in Christ. And he's been a comfort. So isn't that an awesome picture of reconciliation? And today, maybe there's somebody that, you know, just need to go seek out ask their forgiveness or, or begin praying for just help and how to reconcile where there is a a rift a uh, a break in our relationship it, it hurts us as a team so important that we are reconciled it's what we do we reconcile with one another the uh and then the third thing we do, and this is a, a really neat picture of what God has given us in a loving family. The third practice of a loving family is we comfort one another. This we see there in verse 11. As he says, uh, these are the only Jews among my co-workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Now, the word comfort there is different from what the word that's usually used for comfort in the Bible. And it's, it's specific in that it, it, it's a 
um, often used of a, of a medical uh, a medicine or a, an application to a wound that would take the pain out of that wound. So you have a painful situation, you have put this medicine on, I picture aloe to a burn, and you're still in the, you still have a painful situation, but the, the sting of it is gone. He's saying, these guys have been like this to, to me. Where is Paul? He's in prison. But he's saying, these three, they, they have been, like they've made this hard situation bearable. They've taken the sting out of it. Isn't that a cool picture of the body, what we do for each other? <laughs> We're going to go through hard situations, but as a loving family, we got people around us just saying, I got you, man, I'm with you. And we're a comforting presence. And my favorite in this, maybe my, one of my favorite guys that I met this week in this church or in this uh, text is Aristarchus. I didn't know about this before, but do you know every time Aristarchus is mentioned, where he says, verse 10, my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus. So when Paul takes, if he could take a selfie in prison, who would include, who would you see in that selfie? There's Aristarchus in the background doing push-ups, getting ready for the next fight or something. Because Aristarchus, the only thing we know about him is, whenever Paul's in a mess, Aristarchus is there. And he's not on the fringe of the mess. He's like mixing it up in the fight. <laughs> the, uh, the riot in Ephesus. So Paul preaches against the, the, uh, the, the idols and idol makers and says, there's one guy, you don't need these idols, it hits it's the budgets of everybody. They get ready, and they, they're ready to mob mentality. Who do they drag into the amphitheater about to? It's Aristarchus. <laughs> and he's taking the hits for Paul. When Paul says, I'm going to Rome, and the Holy Spirit's warning me that the only thing that's facing me there is prison and hardship, and I'm going to go get on this boat and go. Who wants to go? Hey, there's a great vision. Follow me into prison and hardships who wants to go Aristarchus so that when there's a shipwreck who's on the shipwreck 14 days in, in that storm and then ends up shipwrecked on an island who's with Paul Aristarchus and then how do you end up in prison with Paul how do you do that it's almost like he's intentionally you can you can arrest him you got to arrest me he, he, it's, Paul's like, this guy is just a comfort. Wherever I'm in trouble, and I can't help but wonder, where did Paul get the courage and the strength, and how many times must he have been like running low, and he looks over this next cell over, and there's Aristarchus. <laughs> He's from Thessalonica, not even around. He's just showing up. There's a fight, Paul. I got you, man. I got you. I'm with you. Aren't you thankful for the Aristarchuses in your life? You know? Not everybody's called to be a Michael Jordan. Not everybody's called to be an Apostle Paul. And most of us are, are our names, we're a Tychicus. We're an Aristarchus. But it doesn't happen without an Aristarchus. Think about Aaron for Moses holding up his hands. At the, who has God placed you in, in someone's life where they're going through the storm and, and you're just that Aristarchus for them? What a calling. I hope you don't underestimate um, what that means and, and keep on with that. A favorite uh, or a story that I heard just recently, I meant to ask, Russ, can I share that story about you and Austin and driving out with Rick? He's, he's good. <laughs> All right, but 
uh, so we're excited for, uh, is Austin here today? Don't see him, but um, Austin Mock, our, he's our first violinist, first chair violinist. It's painful to say this, but he's taken a job, graduated from college. He's headed out to Arizona, I think end of the month, praying for him, excited for him. But um, it's, is it a four, two, two days out, two days back probably, trip in a U-Haul, and Russ is going out. He's got a less than 100% back, and so he was talking to Rick about it, Rick Baker, who's retirement age, and I'm sure his back is less than 100% too. But uh, I said, man, pray for me. It's going to be a long haul. And Rick said, I'll go with you. I don't know if you even asked Kathy. I'll go with you. <laughs> I'm happy to do that. And Russ is like, no way. And, you know, he thinks, well, he's just saying that. To, well, the next week, he's like, hey, Russ, I, you know, my schedule's filling up. I'm, do you need me? I'll go with you. Who does that? Aristarchus. Somebody's just like, hey, I, I'm with you. Man, you got a hard situation? I'll ride out there two hours, two days in our U-Haul, two days back with you. It's what we do, isn't it? Love that picture. We comfort one another to help take the pain out of a hard situation as we just were there for each other. So back to the big idea, who are we? We're a loving family. Next question is, what are we about? Like, what's our, our mission? And that's where we see the second phrase where he says, um, there in verse 7, Tychicus, a dear brother and a faithful minister. We're a, love, we're a uh, loving family of faithful ministers. The word minister there is, is a word you see throughout uh, the New Testament. It's the word diakonos. It's a word from which we get the word deacon, but it means to serve. It's what a slave does. It, a slave serves. It, uh, it's what it, and so it's that uh, really just seeking to meet the needs of those around us. And what that, uh, whatever that may be, some of us are, um, this is the word that's used for the gift of service. There's in Romans 12, we see some people are gifted by the Spirit, especially to do this. And uh, they're the people that fire the rest of us up to do it and often say, hey, we need a team over here serving. But all of us are called to this. Jesus calls us to this in uh, Mark 10, uh, 43 to 45. But I love the picture of this in relation to what Paul's going through. So Paul, he has a message to give to this church in Colossae, but he's got a limit. He, he's stuck in prison. He's got a problem. He, he doesn't have mobility. So how is this letter going to get from here to there? It's going to happen through a faithful minister. Somebody who you can depend on. Somebody who's just going to get it done. Somebody who, who's going to say, okay, these people need this, so therefore I'm going to spend step 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 time 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 money 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 on this journey to meet this very practical need of delivering this letter from paul to this church family and then so you have tychicus and onesimus faithful ministers but who else do you have faith faithfully ministering in epaphras you see him there in uh verse 14 or 12 to 14 as he's faithfully meeting needs through prayer. It says, Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. Isn't that just a great picture of those in our church family? I think about, um, so thankful for Eric and Pam and uh, Deb Leonardson and who meet almost every Wednesday night just to lift up the needs of our family, faithfully praying. Think about, I um, love how Tina Dial gave a little window into her grandma and grandpa, Alan Barb Walker. She said, guys, they spend 
hours weekly on their knees in prayer for lots of people, but for us. And I think this is where the work of God gets done, isn't it? Faithful ministers, whether it's doing something or active or whether it's our faithful praying for each other, this is what the, the second mark of a great team, faithful ministers. I love the picture there of, uh, oh, by the way, praying. Just a quick help on this. What was Epaphras praying? It says that you may stand firm in the will of God, full, uh, will of God, mature and fully assured. I understand what the NIV is doing, but as I looked at the literal trans, um, text, it's, a bit more helpful. You might write this out to the side of your Bible as you pray for those around you, as we pray for our own hearts. It's better to, to say it this way. He's praying that you would stand mature. So that's the goal, that they would stand mature, and it's the word teleon. So this is that you would stand like Christ. You would be mature. So that's what he's praying. It's look, just mature, strong, fit to do the, the will of God. Stand mature fully assured of the will of God. What's it look like to, to live like Christ? Do his will. Do, do the Father's will. So he's saying, I pray that you would stand fully assured, like you know what the will of God is. And we know that through his word, but also as we pray and, and interact with him. So great prayer as we pray for one another. But this brings us to the third mark of a, a great ministry team in verse 7. So Tychicus, he's a dear brother, faithful minister, but then third, a fellow servant of the Lord. So the third mark is that we are following the Lord as his servants, as his, literally his slaves. The image here is, of a slave is that we're committed to do his will. Um, and it's neat to think that all of us, he, Paul uses the word fellow slaves, so it's not about status within the body of Christ. We're all on one status. We're fellow slaves, and we all have one purpose, and that is to do the will of our master, to do the will of our, our Father in heaven. This is how Jesus lived. It's fascinating as you look at his life, just how he says, my food is to do the will of the Father. I, I just want to do his will, and, and that's what drove him, and that's what drives us, unites us, and, and uh, fuels us. Our goal is to live with an ever-increasing surrender to the empowering lordship of, of Jesus Christ. Where do we see this in this band of uh, brothers and sisters in Christ? Verse 14, we see it in Luke, and then the contrast in Demas. Verse 14 says, our dear friend Luke, the doctor, um, and Demas send greetings. As you think about Luke, you think, here's another guy that's just with Paul, um, through thick and thin, through up and down, so that he could help Paul out in uh, <laughs> can't help but think he's a doctor and how many times did Paul get beat up and run through troubles and there's God providing him a traveling doctor to, to keep him alive and kicking but uh but also to write he wrote the gospel of Luke he saw what happened wrote the book of Acts and we'll get into that next year but I think about what Luke walked away from probably a lucrative career to do the will of God a, a slave of Jesus Christ is what defined him and it wasn't about the money or, or any of that stuff. But, Lord, what do you want? And he had a, a freedom in his life, evidently, to, to, be, will, to be able to, to uh, answer this call and follow 
follow Paul around and help out. It's contrasted by this, this uh, Demas. Notice every other name in the text, Paul has something to say about them. Demas, there's nothing, and I think that may be significant. Demas means popular. We know later in 2 Timothy, Paul says, Demas, because he loved this present world, has deserted me. And Demas is still a Christian, still a follower of Christ, but he got sucked into the loves of this world, whoever, whatever that, that was for him. And it's a warning to us, isn't it? You see Luke, who's willing to just do the will of the Father, and then Demas, who, who gets mission drift, sidetracked, and a warning for us just to stay locked in on our Lord. So, bringing it all together, who are we? What are we to be about? And who are we following? We're a loving family of faithful ministers following our Lord Jesus. Do you feel the uplift in this? Just the, the calling is, we watch these guys live of, man, this, what if we do this? And, and this is who we are. A, a family, a, a loving family of faithful ministers following the Lord Jesus. And when we do this, the job gets done. We accomplish what he's called us to accomplish, all for his glory. So Paul wraps up the, uh, this letter with these final words, and I believe this is a bit of a call to action. As Paul says, I am writing this with my own hand, meaning somebody else, because of his eyesight, were, were, was probably his scribe or um, secretary writing down his thoughts. But then he says, I, this last part, these words, I'm writing with my own hand, and here he says it. Remember my chains, grace be with you. I wrestled with that. What's that mean, remember my chains? What was his intent for writing that? What did he hope would happen when they remembered his chains? Is this a call to sympathy? Like, hey, remember me, Paul? I'm uh, stuck here with these chains. I don't think so when you read the greater context. As you read Philippians, what you find is there is a Paul says, because of my chains, the brothers and sisters have been encouraged or, or um, there's been courageous action that has taken part in terms of serving, sharing the gospel. I think this is a call to action. I think what he's saying is when it gets hard and you wonder, is it worth it? Remember my chains. I picture those chains um, dangling and clunking as, the, he, as he writes this out. Just a reminder um, it may have a cost, but the cost is worth it. To which we say, how? H how do we run on? How do we run on when we're in chains or, or we're experiencing the pain or the hard part of our journey? And the second part of his phrase is, is the answer, grace be with you. Where Jesus said, my grace is sufficient. His grace, his empowering grace, all sufficient grace is available to us as his sons and daughters. And as we follow him, we will have all the grace that we need to finish the work for his glory. What an encouragement. I love that. This is that William Wallace freedom that Paul's given us. <laughs> this week, I encourage you to jot it down. Just remember my chains and grace be with you. Amen. Tychicus. You know, how many of us said, I, I didn't know Tychicus before today. You know, The kingdom of God moves forward when Tychicus just does what God calls him to do. Here's a brother who, if he didn't 
carry out his calling and love faithfully, serving the Lord, we, we may not hold this letter that's been such a gift to us. And today you may be here and thinking, man, my little life, what's it matter? My little ministry, what's it matter? Maybe you're at the start of life and just growing up, think my life, maybe you're at the end of life thinking, man, my days were, best days are behind me. No, no, no. If God's given you breath, given you breath, Tychicus, you know, Don, Rebecca, Justice, John, Jordan, our names, he's got something for us to do, and we get to do it together, a team, a loving family, faithful ministers, fully devoted to following our Lord. Man, God bless you as, as you serve him. And thanks for the part that you play on our ministry team. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this text and just this documentary look at the body of Christ in this first century and, and a part of why we hold this letter in our hands. And we thank you just for the encouragement that it gives us. Thank you for this family that you've allowed us to run with and for each person that you've brought to our church family, in this place and time. Lord, I thank you for the calling to be faithful as we serve one another humbly in love, meeting needs. And I thank you, Lord, as I look out at this church family for the countless servants who most, of, most behind the scenes are just living out the calling that you've given. Bless them, Lord, and empower us all, we pray. And Lord, today as we come to the end of this letter, we just fix our eyes on you. Jesus and uh, the grace that you've given us. Lord, we fill the, the pole of distraction in the world, in our own hearts, all around us, and all the things that buy for our attention. But today, Lord, we just pray that in a special way and that you would just give us the gift of grace of never losing sight of you, that you would be enough that you would be our everything, that you would be our vision, that you would be the one that, that fuels us when the day is dark, when the way is hard. Lord, whether it is chains or whether it is at sometimes the affliction of affluence, that we would be faithful to carry out our calling until you call us home. And Lord, I thank you for Wes and the team earlier just reminding us of the beauty of home, where we're headed, and just uh, that beautiful picture in Revelation 21, 22, when, when we will cross over into your presence, pain and death, and the curse will be gone, and we will be with you, with each other, enjoying eternal joy. And we just praise you for that. We fix our eyes on that. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. If you were encouraged by today's talk and believe it would be helpful for others, please be sure to subscribe or share. To experience other messages or find helpful resources, visit us online at westbridgedanville.com.